Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello. Welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Desi. Take it away. Okay. <laughs> On the Patreon this week, we just recapped season one of the Ashley Simpson show episode three and four. She's very disrespectful in these episodes. <laughs> and we break we break that all down. We scold her. We scolded her a little bit. And we talked about her music some as well as the things that transpired in the episode and some pop culture moments. Patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We also did an after show where Desi spilled some tea. It's an ongoing saga. It's an ongoing saga. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. (laughs) It's been an ongoing saga since episode 50 of the after show. Yeah. So if you want to find out, start there. Start at episode after show number 50 and then go from there. You can search it. Yeah, you can search it in the search bar on patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. I actually searched it the other day to see, make sure it was easy to find because I was like, oh, if, if even I can find it, then it must be easy. That's the test. Yeah. So I did search it very easily and I was laughing because I don't think I saw a lot of these comments, like how much people loved the start of this saga. I'm really happy that so many people are so into this ongoing thing. It's right up my alley. So I'm glad everyone agrees. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, we want to give a shout out to some of the more recent subscribers of our Patreon. And this week we're going to thank Loretta, Gabby, Kaylee, Alana, Olivia, Ray, Shannon, Luz, Kimberly, Bob, Amanda, Madeline, Sarah, Maggie, Lexis, Nicole, Joe, Chuck, Emma, and Ty. Thank you very much. Thank you. So look, we've been a little lighthearted the past few weeks Uh on our main shows. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So I'm going to take things down to Darktown this week. I'm very sorry. Um, But today we will be discussing one of LA's most infamous stories, one that involves a monstrous killer, but has another aspect to the story that is crazy in its own right. This whole saga began with what truly is one of the wildest stories I've ever heard, and that is the saga of single mom Christine Collins. (gasps) This is the story of the Wineville chicken coop murders, and it has a lot of twists and turns. It's been described as the O.J. Simpson case of its day because... There was a nationwide media frenzy covering this case from the moment nine-year-old Walter Collins went missing. In addition to being a story of horrific murders, it also has an unbelievable example of police corruption and abuse of authority. Christine Saga was the basis for the movie Changeling starring Angelina Jolie. 
So what is a changeling? The title comes from European folklore. A changeling was the offspring of a fairy or troll that was secretly swapped in for a human child. If you don't know this story, it will make sense very soon how the movie got that title. I used a lot of old newspapers for this one, as well as a book called The Road Out of Hell by Anthony Flacco. On March 10th, 1928, Christine Collins gave her nine-year-old son, Walter, a dime to go see a movie. Christine was raising the boy alone in the East LA neighborhood of Lincoln Heights and worked full-time at the telephone company. When Walter didn't return as expected, Christine tried not to panic, but after a few tense hours of waiting for him to return, she finally went to the police to report him missing. Christine told Captain Joseph J. Jones, who was head of the juvenile division, that she believed Walter had possibly been kidnapped by enemies of her husband, also named Walter, who was then doing time in prison. Walter Collins Sr., a.k.a. Walter Anson, was a lifelong petty criminal who had numerous stints in San Quentin for burglaries. He met and married Christine in between one of those sentences. Shortly after having Walter Jr., Walter Anson changed his name to Walter Collins, but he did not change his criminal ways. In September of 1923, he was arrested again for running a speakeasy in L.A., and he was really bereft about having to face another long prison stint. He went on the lam and threatened suicide. Unfortunately for him, he was caught and was sent to Folsom Prison, this time for an extended stay. Now, it was because of Walter's criminal history that Christine initially suggested that Walter Jr.'s disappearance may have been some sort of revenge plot on the part of one of her husband's enemies. But detectives on the case weren't buying it. There had been no threats about something like this coming or ransom demands made after the boy went missing. They began a more standard missing person investigation, starting with canvassing the neighborhood, and they got some leads. Neighbors said they had seen a man about 35 to 40 years old who, quote, resembled an Italian. Oh. Ooh. On the block just days before Walter went missing, he was asking where the Collins home was, according to these neighbors. There was then corroboration on this lead from a gas station owner in nearby Glendale. He also claimed to have seen a man, probably Italian, asking for directions to the police department. As they were pulling away, he spotted the lifeless form of a boy in the back seat wrapped in newspapers with only his head exposed. (gasps) He was shown a photo of Walter and he ID'd him as the boy. So they had this lead, but the lead went nowhere. The pressure was really on the LAPD to find Walter. So eventually 200 officers were searching for Walter in the LA area and bulletins went out around the country because this became a nationwide search. LAPD even dragged Lincoln Park Lake where Walter had been seen the day he disappeared, um, but they didn't find anything. Now, part of the reason for the massive effort in this case was the fact that a lot of people were disgusted with the LAPD, Evergreen. Mm. In particular, for their botched handling of the Marion Parker case, which was just a few months earlier. And we covered that case. That's what I have right here. We covered that case (laughs) on previous episodes, so you should go check it out. It's a very interesting story. And it also contains one of the most iconic dumb bitch moments in Hollywood crime you see in history. Uh, (laughs) Okay. For as fucked up of a case as that is, and I worked very hard on my research for that case... One of it, it happens to have one of my favorite moments in one of our shows. Yeah, 
It's pretty crazy. But the story itself is no, it's it, tragic. It's rand it's wild that that came out of that episode of all episodes. <laughs> it's really crazy. Uh so tips poured in of sightings of Walter but nothing leads anywhere. The revenge kidnapping angle becomes a little more serious for cops when Walter Sr. writes in from Folsom that because he's the sort of boss of the mess hall, he had often had to report fellow inmates for infractions, and he had, in fact, received death threats from these other inmates or threats. Her husband. Yes. Ex-husband. I think it's still, they're still married. So as weeks turned to months, however, the search seemed to have reached a dead end. Although Christine was convinced her son was alive, the case was turned over to homicide. Then a miracle happened. Walter was found. (gasps) Almost five months after his disappearance on August 4th, 1928, Chief of Detectives Herman Klein was contacted by um, Illinois State Police saying they had a boy in custody claiming to be Walter Collins. The boy said he had been abandoned in Illinois by his kidnappers, and they sent a pick over the wire, which was obviously not very high def, and Christine Collins ID'd the boy as Walter, but it wasn't a strong ID. She was like, I think it's him, Um, because like I said, think about how blurry that must have been. It must have been such shitty quality. Yeah. Um, So after some delays, Christine pays $70 to finally have the boy return to California, and on August 18th, she patiently waits for him at Juvenile Hall. That's annoying she had to pay $70. <clears throat> That's what I was thinking. That's a lot of money. What are we paying taxes for if the cops can't foot that bill? Absolutely. Split it among the states. The media are, are like, why can't the train person company just be like, he can go for free. It's a big case. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That like, would have been great PR for their company. Absolutely. So the media is obviously all over this story. Um, this is an incredible reunion no one thought would happen. It's a true miracle. The nation watches as the mother and son are finally reunited. But from the moment she laid eyes on her boy, Christine Collins knew something was off. Now, this is from the LA Times, and this is a description of this um, reunion. That's crazy to me. Walter Collins, nine-year-old boy who was kidnapped from his Los Angeles home five months ago and found near DeKalb, Illinois, after a search that reached across the continent, arrived in Los Angeles yesterday in such pitiable physical condition that his mother, Mrs. Catherine Collins, they call her Catherine in the newspaper, which is crazy. I actually looked up, I was like, was that her real name? No, it's Christine, did not at first recognize him. Not only was the youth's body sadly emaciated and his face drawn, but his mind had been affected, according to officers who examined him. Apparently, the result, they said, of harrowing experiences he had been subjected to by his kidnapper. From descriptions given yesterday by the youngster, police believe they can trace and capture the man who, for four months, months managed to fascinate the lad and, by a combination of threats and promises, hold him prisoner while they worked their way to DeKalb. I do not think that is my boy were the first words uttered by Mrs. Collins as she was brought face-to-face with him in juvenile hall yesterday. And Miss Collins maintained this attitude for a long time while she and the youth and captain of Detectives Jones talked together. But as the questions and answers proceeded and the boy from time to time, he became puzzled. Put his, he finally put his left bun in his mouth, a trick that had been persisted in by Walter since babyhood. Mrs. Collins gradually became convinced There was no doubt in Walter's mind about his mother's identity, nor that of a friend who accompanied her and whom he had been seen with before he was kidnapped. 
but the boy was very hesitant hesitant in his speech and clearly revealed impeded mental processes processes which were not his habit before experience. So she has apprehension and everyone is telling her you're wrong. Even even one of her friends, it said, or even someone. No, who that kn- friend is also like not sure, but the boy recognizes him. That's, He's like, okay, that's weird. So Captain JJ Jones convinces her, like, why don't you take the boy home and try him out? Come on. That's what he literally says to her. Try him out. You don't know. So she, no. they also have the doctors examining him to help her kind of see that it's him. And they're like, yeah, he's, you know, hazy from the event. He has certain aisles of memories that are blank. Toys that he played with before his abduction are strange now. People that he knew prior to his dis- disappearance now are strangers. But this condition will pass and he'll so- soon be sound mentally. Um, they suggest that being at home surrounded by familiar objects might spark his memory. And after intense police pressure, Collins are- agrees to take Walter home. Does she think? And she thinks he looks different than her son. Yes. So three. And they're attributing that, like, oh, he's been under harsh conditions. Yeah. Even the newspaper, like that newspaper article, is crazy because she's like, that's not him, and everyone's like, oh, he just looks different because he's emaciated and da 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 da, like whatever. So three weeks later, on September eighth, she returns the child to the LAPD, armed with dental records of her son and statements from people who actually knew Walter. Right. She said that um, once she produced this evidence that this was not her son, James, I'm sorry, Jones became furious. This is the police chief. The police chief or the the head of this youth department. He says to her, quote, what are you trying to do? Make fools out of all of us? Or are you trying to shirk your duty as a mother and have the state provide for your son? You are the most cruel hearted woman I've ever known. He's basically accusing her of not wanting her son and being a bad mom and just trying to make the police look bad. Because you are bad, Blanche. <laughs> you don't have to convince them, anyone. So then he does something completely outrageous. He arrests Christine Collins and has her committed to the psychiatric ward at Los Angeles County Hospital under a Code 12 internment, which is a term used to jail or commit someone who is deemed difficult or an inconvenience. Oh, my God. So normally such action is required... Obviously, a warrant is required from the state, but because it's a weekend, that office is closed. So she's admitted without a warrant and held in the ward throughout this long holiday weekend. That Monday was something called Admittance Day, which was when California became the 31st state. And I guess we used to get off for that day. We don't anymore. Why not? Sadly. So... She would later speak about the conditions she lived in during this period, saying that they put her in a room with a woman who was crying and screaming the whole time she was in there. She would pray day and night because this woman would physically attack her, pull her hair, and every time she would fall asleep, that woman would try to choke her. (gasps) So she's in like a really bad, unsafe place. And obviously that woman should be helped too. Like what's going on here? Right. So this goes on for five days until September 13th when she's finally examined by a doctor. He declares her sane and she's released. None of this is reported in the papers at the time. uh, And Collins is obviously very shaken by this whole ordeal. I mean, she's a victim in this case and she's being treated like someone who did something wrong. Right. So less than 24 hours later, the Collins case 
would be back in the headlines, but not in the way Collins had hoped. Now, although the story of Collins' arrest and detainment did not make the news, a new development in the case was about to take things down a very dark road. Just two days after her release, the news reported that a house of horrors had been uncovered in a small town outside of Los Angeles called Wineville. The man who ran this chicken ranch was named Stuart Gordon Northcott, and one of his suspected victims was Walter Collins. So we're going to take a break here, and we'll be back. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Gordon Stewart Northcott was born in Saskatchewan, Canada, and moved to Los Angeles with his parents in 1924 when he was 17. Two years later, he convinced his dad to purchase some land in Wineville so that he could build a house and chicken ranch. Under the pretense of helping him out, Gordon had his 11-year-old nephew, Sonny Clark, sent down from Canada. But as soon as young Sonny arrived, Gordon began physically and sexually abusing him. 
Sonny had been brought into the country illegally, and he became a virtual prisoner inside this home. It wasn't long before Gordon began abducting other boys, hiding them out on his ranch. He would sexually abuse them and then sometimes return them, but if he felt like they knew too much with the help of his nephew and allegedly his mother as well, they would be killed, (gasps) shot or bludgeoned with an axe. Their bodies would then be dissolved with quicklime and their bones would be buried in the desert. It was even reported that sometimes Gordon would send his victims, like rent them out to other wealthy SoCal pedophiles. Oh my God. I don't even know how did you find that network back then. This is sick. Yeah. So in August of 1928, out of concern for his welfare, Sonny's 19-year-old sister, Jessie, visits him at the Wineville Ranch. At the time, Sonny almost immediately tells her that he fears for his life. One night while Gordon North- Northcott is asleep, Jesse learns that Sonny um, and Northcott had murdered at least four boys on his ranch. She leaves him there. She oh. can't take him. Why? I don't know. So she she goes back to Canada. Even though she knows that yeah. four boys have been mor- murdered and she's this is her... I yeah. guess they're scared of him. Like, they don't the, know how to... This is her younger brother, yeah. Sonny. She's not a... Yeah, she's young too. So they return, she returns to Canada and she almost immediately goes to an American council up there and tells them what she learned of Northcott's crimes. The council then writes a letter to the Los Angeles Police Department. Do we like, we have phones then, don't yeah. we? <laughs> like, why are they yeah. writing a fucking letter? Get on the fucking phone. Get on the horn. You get on the horn. When the crime's happening. When, you don't write a fucking, dear sirs. Like, or madams. Yeah. Uh, well, back then it was probably sirs. <laughs> <laughs> this is outrageous. Not not her. I'm just saying just... I, I, yeah. I, look, because I, I know the bones of this story. Yeah. But I don't know every detail and I'm just like outraged. So in this letter, they detail her sworn uh, testimony about what's going on there. Now... Of course, when they get the letter, there's other bumbling sort of like jurisdictional type things because they're like, hmm, is this an immigration issue? I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't give a shit what kind of issue it is. Fix this. So the LAPD, instead of doing anything immediately, they contact the United States Immigration Service to determine what's going on in Wineville. In September of 1928, they go out there. And Sonny tells investigators that his uncle had kidnapped him and had been physically and sexually abusing him. He also said that his uncle had forced him to watch the abuse and murders of Walter Collins, Nelson and Lewis Winslow, who were two brothers who had gone missing before Walter did, and other, other boys. He confessed to participating in these acts under direct threat of Gordon. So he like makes his his uh, nephew do stuff with him, mm. which I think is kind of like typical when they have these. Like I think in the Candyman case, it's like they make you do it so that you're also complicit. Complicit. John Wayne Gacy had recru- yes. had recruits as well. Yeah, it's really so, sick. It's really sick because it's like they're also victims, but then they're also uh, doing these things. But, you know, obviously they feel like they have no choice. So he describes in horrific detail how Northcutt would lead these victims into the incubator room on the chicken farm and tell them they were going to watch hatching chickens. And while they were watching, he would kill them with an axe or a gun. Oh, my God. So he said that... Um, 
Gordon had also killed a um, Latino boy in La Puente. Uh, this this ended up being an unidentified boy who was headless. So they had found the body of this boy without a head. Sanford told, I'm sorry, Sanford is Sonny. Sonny told the police that they could find graves near the chicken coop for the Winslow brothers and Walter Collins. Two graves were found, but the full bodies were not there, only pieces of bone. Axes had been found among other farm equipment that did have human hair and blood on them, and several bones were scattered across the ranch, which pathologists later determined to be from male children. Inside the house, a book checked out to one of the Winslow boys was found, and more letters to their parents. Um, He had written letters to their parents, um, basically being like, Mom, Dad, we ran away. Right. Like trying to kind of put them off in a different direction. And then they found more letters, I guess, that he had been practicing or, so, or whatever. So had these missing boys, their families, had they received any letters at that point? Yes, they did receive one that was like, we ran away. Ugh. Which is like, I don't think kids write a letter to say that. You leave the note at home. Like when you leave, right? Uh, like a nine. It was like it was like don't look for us, right? It was just like very uh, not very subtle. But we've seen that before. Yeah, absolutely. They also find found a child's whistle. They found Boy Scout badges, um, but nothing that could be directly attributed to Walter Collins was found. So Clark and his sister, um, Sonny Clark and his sister Jesse, testify more that Northcott and his mother had at some point ex- probably exhumed the bodies maybe in August, which was a, four, uh, a few weeks before you know all of this shit hit the fan. And they had t- probably taken the bodies to a deserted area and burned them in the middle of the night. But none of, like I said, none of the bodies or remains were ever found except for these fragments um, of things on the ranch. Northcott's father, Cirrus, he told police two days later that his son had admitted the murders to him, but by that time, Northcott and his mom had left town. They skedaddled out of there, and they were back in Canada. Oh, my God. I don't know how they, how they did that. That's fast. Now, here's the kicker. Despite all of this shit going down, L.A. Detective Jones continues to insist that police had found the real Walter Collins. Wait a minute. So this investigation is happening while Christine Collins is currently, is it before she's incarcerated? No, she's out now. So this investigation is kind of going on that same week she's in jail. Stop it. When she gets out, it kind of breaks on the 15th, which is two days after she gets out. Okay. So it isn't in L.A. County yet, but it's seeping there because the parents lived in L.A. County. Uh, they're in Riverside County. Wineville is like Riverside County. Of so the it's two different of the boys. Of the boys. So there's two different jurisdictions. Um, but, but, LA, but the L.A. knows about what's going on there. And they're not saying... Hmm. It's like news. Like, it's in the news. So he's... And they're saying this is Walter Collins. So it's not like he doesn't know. But he's still insisting... That they have the real Walter Collins, the so, chief or the the detective, detective Jones, yeah, yeah. And the LA Times reports on this at the time. They say chief among the anomalies is that Detective Lieutenants Jones and Hera of the Juvenile Bureau yesterday were convinced that the youth returned here to his mother several weeks ago from Illinois is Walter Collins, the kidnapped boy from last March. That he's the real Walter Collins, despite what Sanford Sonny Clark uh, is saying in his story that the Collins boy was killed several months ago on the Northcott Ranch. 
So he then is like, let me look more into this. So Jones goes to interview Cyril Northcott, Gordon's dad, and he comes away convinced that Sonny's story is true, but he's mistaken about the identity of the victim that he claims is Walter. Jesus Christ. Because It's like, take the L. Take the fucking L. You were wrong. (laughs) How many times have we seen this, Desi? How many times have we seen this thing happen? It's crazy. Because they don't want to admit they're wrong. No. And he also starts presenting false timelines to the press, claiming that Christine Collins had been hospitalized, but it was for observation after the murder confessions happened and not related to uh, him nine days earlier just doing it because he was annoyed with her. Um, On September 18th, um, a, a Riverside grand jury indicts the mother and son in absentia for the murder of Walter Collins and the two other boys. Um, he's all, Gordon is also charged with sex crimes against his nephew. Um, and that day, Northcott, I'm sorry, the next day, he's apprehended finally in British Columbia, and she gets picked up shortly after. Um, this is September 19th. That same day, September 19th, in an insane twist, the boy from Illinois finally confesses to Captain Jones that he's not really Walter Collins. Oh, my God. Is, is Jones like, are you sure about that? <laughs> you must be really traumatized to not know who you are. <laughs> it's so crazy. He describes in detail how he'd been able to fool um, Jones and everyone else, except Christine Collins, obviously, right. the only person who knew it wasn't her son, Um, by making wild guesses and delaying his replies until someone, quote, gave him a suggestion that made them ring true. So they were, like, prompting him with things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's my favorite stuffed animal. Like, basically that kind of stuff. Yeah. His name is actually Arthur Hutchins Jr. He is 11 years old of Marion, Iowa. He said that he'd run away from home and was in a cafe in Illinois, DeKalb, Illinois, when he heard... A diner say that he looked like the missing boy, Walter Collins. And that gave him the idea of pretending to be the missing boy in order to get a free trip to Los Angeles, California. And he wanted to meet his hero, cowboy star Tom Mix. Tom Mix. Okay. I think what this kid did is wrong, but also it's kind of iconic. (laughs) (laughs) Like for an 11-year-old to come up with this scam is crazy. Like, this is not an adult trying to get ransom money or, no, like, whatever. This is very sophisticated and very ballsy. Also, this story reminds me so much of that imposter story, the one about that, like, French guy. Oh, right, right, right. Wasn't he French? And he impersonated yes. that American missing boy, and he moved in with the family, and he, like, dyed his hair blonde. Right. Like, that is more intentional. Like, that's an adult. Well, yeah, he was, like, actually an adult. And, and also that's like sort of like, they're like, well, maybe it's him because he looks different as an adult. Right. Right. And he was definitely like, that was a more like sociopathic move on his part because he like was grown up and knew better. But this is also at the same time, like really crazy. Like you said, that an 11 year old boy was this ballsy and like. And like went across the country. Committed. Just on his own and was like, I'll live with this woman. So what was going on in this kid's home life? I don't know much about, I don't have much information about him. I just think he was just like a little derelict. Like he had a home, he had a dad, his step, they have a picture in the newspaper of him because his stepmom comes to pick him up. So I don't think oh there was, God. I, he wasn't like, um, 
you know, on the streets or like whatever. He he literally ran away from a perfectly fine home. Did he get scolded when he got home? Was he grounded? I'm not sure what happened to him. He probably got like paddled and then like he didn't get any penny whistles for a month. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, there's probably I should have looked more into it. I just didn't have time. Maybe there maybe he has a memoir. He should. Because I want to know about his adventure. <laughs> because I doubt that unless he had like the fear of God put into him by his family, this can't be the last of his shenanigans. Well, I mean, maybe in part of him did feel bad that he hurt this woman. And he should. Right? You know what I mean? He like Because that is the sort of not funny part of it. Anyway, Christine Collins is obviously even more pissed off now. Right. Even though she knew this was the case, it's just infuriating to her. So on September 24th, she goes to the county grand jury demanding an investigation of her imprisonment. The grand jury turns the case over to the police commission. And guess what, Rachel? The police commission holds a hearing, but they said that Jones doesn't need to be disciplined. What? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They said the grounds for this was that Arthur Hutchins fooled lots of other people, too. Shut up. (laughs) You're the fucking police. And I don't really think he fooled anyone else. Jones was just forcing the issue, like... You're supposed to what are we what are the citizens paying you for? Also like everyone else believed it but they didn't know Walter and they're just going off of what he's saying cuz he's supposed to be the authority. Yeah, so it's like I don't think anyone else was convinced outside of you and like the people you told who don't know Walter who would be like, "Oh great, that's a great story." And people want to believe good things. So, yeah, it's crazy. So she doesn't give up. She now she sues the city, Davis and Jones, in a civil suit for false imprisonment. Um, she also wants them to be fired. So she takes it to the city council's health and welfare committee. Thousands of furious citizens attend this hearing, so much so that they literally have to put speakers outside because City Hall is like overflowing with the crowds of people who are fucking pissed. Good. In the end, the commission asked for the resignation of Chief Davis and the permanent suspension of Jones. Christine's court battles, though, in the civil case will go on for years, and Mm. I'll touch on that uh, later. But it's really fucked up that she doesn't really get justice in this case. So meanwhile, back with the North Cuts, because this is all going on simultaneous. Like the newspapers were going off. Like they had so much content from this story because it's like all, there's so many layers to this story. Yeah. So they have these errors in the extradition paperwork for the North Cuts. So they're actually not returned to Los Angeles until November 30th of 1928. And while the two are being held in British Columbia awaiting extradition, Sarah confesses to the murders, including the murder of nine-year-old Walter Collins. The mom. The mom. But before she's extradited to California, she retracts her confession. Northcott Northcott has also confessed to killing more than five boys. He retracts his confession as well at some point. And... There is a lot of this back and forth confessing and retracting with this too. It happens so many times that I'm not even going to tell you of all the times because this whole episode would be like, and then they took it back. Like I, I was right. like, I can't. I was like, wait, how many times have they? T-? I was like, this is no longer interesting. So just know that they went back and forth a million times. Yeah, and it got confusing because every source I had had different timelines. So I'm just not even going to go into it, except for the major instant instances of it. But it was crazy. So a lot of people suspect that although she may have been involved 
in like covering up crimes, a lot of people start to suspect that Sarah's confessions are just to protect her loser son. Like she's like, I did it kind of, uh, that kind of thing. They're both losers. He's a, he's really creepy by the way. I know I've seen a picture of him. He's awful. He's disgusting. Um, so Riverside County initially agrees to allow Northcutt to be tried in Los Angeles for the murder, murder of the unidentified Latino boy because he was killed uh, in Los Angeles County. Um, so when he returns to LA, he's first booked in the LA County jail. Now, at this point, Christine Collins actually goes to the LA County jail to talk to Northcott because she <gasps> wants to hear from him what happened. That is so brave. Uh, she asks him point blank if he killed Walter. Northcott says to her, I did not kill your boy. And he tells Collins that she shouldn't believe everything she reads in the paper. He says that he hasn't actually confessed to anything and that his father doesn't know anything because there's nothing to know. He then tells Collins, they like start talking and he does like the creepy serial. Like it's like, like this is, I feel like I've seen this in criminal minds or movies where the cr- criminal, they think they looks like they're on your side, but then start laying out creepy information. Yeah. And he does just that. He's like, I did used to work at the Ralph's market uh, near your home though, back in 1925. Don't recall seeing Walter around then though. Like, Ugh. just like they're fucking with you. They're fucking with, he's fucking with because her. Because he gets off on that. Absolutely. Um, I was also shocked that Ralph's was that back then. <laughs> Dude, like, Ralph's has been a long time around, around a long time. That's like almost a hundred years ago. That's crazy. When, I, I wish it back then it was just a guy named Ralph. Yes. Yeah. It was a guy named Ralph and they sold like milk and eggs. Uh, anyway, this is his MO going forward. He's just creepy throwing things out. I think it's like, I don't give a shit. I'm dying in prison. I'm going to, I'm going to have fun while I can kind of shit. So of course, Collins wants to believe her son is alive. So she takes what he says as the truth. Um, She's convinced that Northcott did not kill her son and that Walter is still alive. Now this is a very understandable thing for a mom to do. Um, no body had been found. Mm -hmm. So there's that there's, you know, um, and she kind of starts believing that, you know, Sonny Clark identified Walter as a victim because he had seen so many photos of him in the newspaper. Uh, and he just maybe thought one of the boys was Walter. So Sonny's story never wavers. He tells it over and over again. And he's just like, a, one of those perfect witnesses. He is. He's telling the truth. So everything he says is always the same. Um, he's not lying. And while, like people do believe that he's truthful, other people, not just Christine, other people start to think, well, we don't know if it's Walter officially still. Like, so yeah. there is that sort of seed of doubt that uh, is reasonable for Christine to to want to think that. So for some reason, the Riverside trial is now set to go first. This is another boring jurisdiction thing that goes back and forth. I think it's just a timing whose case was ready. Initially, Northcutt will be tried separately for the murder of Walter, the Winslows, and another um, identified body on January 2nd. And Sarah will be... Unidentified body? Another unidentified body. Like, I guess, body parts. Yeah. So they they don't have a name attached to it. And it's not the boy in L.A. County. Um, and Sarah will go on trial starting the 10th, but on December 30th, 
Sarah once again confesses and pleads guilty to killing Walter Collins. Oh. She is not tried, and upon her plea of guilty, the judge sentenced her to life imprisonment um, on December 31st, 1928. He spares her the death sentence because she's a woman. Now, during her sentencing hearing, she claims that her son is innocent and made a variety of claims about his parentage. This woman is a messy bitch who loves drama because she goes off in her sentencing hearing and tells a lot of crazy shit. She said, so she's trying to save her son. Yeah. She's like, he's an illegitimate son of an English nobleman. Then she says that she is Gordon's, actually Gordon's grandmother and that he is the result of incest between her husband and their daughter. She also states that as a child, Gordon was sexually abused by everyone in their family. Uh, And after being sentenced, she then attempts to um, kill herself and she begs authorities not to execute her son saying, I got a square deal and if they'll just be good to my boy, uh, they just won't hang him. She tries to kill herself during the sentencing hearing? That's what it said, but I didn't have any details on it. Maybe she just threatens it. Yeah. Um, But it did say she attempted to. Wow. Um, So... She goes off in court, but no one really is buying it. And to be honest, that would be very sad if all of that is true. Um, but it doesn't excuse what he did, obviously. Also, you can't be um, an illegitimate son of a nobleman and a child of incest. <laughs> it's like, pick one, lady. Well, she's the nobles everything. did do incest. <laughs> but she's claiming it was her husband. He's right. not an English nobleman. Right. right. She's throwing everything at the wall to try to save her son's life, basically. Yeah. So his trial begins... Uh, and he opts to be his own defense attorney. No, he does not. He does. And on February 1st, the world is literally shocked when he calls to the stand as a defense witness, Christine Collins. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. This is awful. She tells the jury that um, shortly before Walter went missing, a rock was tossed through her window that said, boy, bad, sick, afraid to call doctor. She said she turned it over to the police, but there's no mention of that in the police reports or any news stories uh, during this period. She also repeats the um, stories about the neighbors reporting the Italian guy looking for her home. And she also says um, that Sonny Clark has never been able to describe her son in great detail. On February 7th, 1929, Gordon is convicted and sentenced to death. After learning that her son would be hanged, Sarah begs authorities to hang her as well. She also retracts her confession again, by the way, after she's been sent to prison. Wow. uh, Which is like, whatever. Um, She serves, she ends up serving um, time in prison until 1940, and she dies in 1944. But... Northcott wasn't done playing games with Christine Collins. Shortly before his execution, he sends a note to Christine saying, I have only two days to live, Mrs. Collins, and I am telling you the truth. I know nothing about your boy. So Christine Collins immediately goes up to San Quentin, and she remains at the prison until Northcott is executed, hoping that he's going to talk to her last minute before he dies, and he never uh, does. So she's just sitting there the whole time. Uh, As a final taunt, he leaves behind a note blaming Walter's murder on his father, uh, her husband. And then he also leaves a map where he claims the bodies are buried. This is just another wild goose chase. Um, No bodies are found in these areas that he said they would be found. And Walter's body is never found. Uh, So he gets hung. He gets hanged on October 2nd, 1930 uh, at the age of 23. 
He was only 23. Yep. That's the days when that was that you looked old at yeah. 23, especially if you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Because he he's so creepy. Um, he also loved playing classical piano. I was just like, come on, guy. Like, that's too serial killer. <laughs> Picture him like playing that piano in his fucking Hannibal Lecter kind of ways. Like he's just a try hard. Yeah. There's like if you want to read the book, it goes into a lot of his childhood. I didn't really want to go into it too much because it was like one of those books where it's like, it's kind of like um, old school kind of, you know, no longer use psychology because this guy, he's gay. Yeah. And it's a lot of um, his mom did this and that. Do you know what I mean? Like this kind of stuff. And that's why he turned into a murderer. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not, not how it works. Yeah. So it's just kind of like that kind of stuff. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. Um, but there might be details there you want to read about. I think you can get it on Libby too, so if you don't want to buy it. Um, so after uh, the, by, meanwhile, all these civil cases are still going on for Christine Collins suing the city. After two trials, a judge eventually orders Jones to pay her ten thousand eight hundred dollars, but he never pays the award because he's like it's excessive. <gasps> Jones like, doesn't. Yeah, I was like. Are you allowed to make a judgment? <laughs> like you can't be like, I don't want to pay that. It's too much. Can I just say, because it's obviously like civil trials have been in the news a lot lately. I think it's so outrageous that there are like instances where like someone is sued and um the plaintiff wins and the the defendant is like ordered to pay all of this money in restitution, and they basically can just be like, I don't have it. And then the plaintiff never gets the money. And I think that's like crazy. I've thought that for so long because remember like the OJ civil trial? Yeah. It's like there should be a way, even if you're like, we're taking half your paycheck. Even if they Anything. never get even, even if they never get the, the millions or whatever they, they win. But they don't get there anything? needs to be some suffering on the person who loses part where they're losing half their paycheck every week I don't, or whatever. Like the government will take it from you. If they right. think you owe something. No, it is outrageous. Like, obviously, I'm thinking about the Rudy Giuliani trial where, like, he's claiming, like, oh, I'm bankrupt. I can't pay. It's like, yeah, you have a huge fucking house in Manhattan. You're saying you don't have any money to give to these women <clears throat> whose lives you ruined? Well, that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, okay, like, we don't want to make you, like, living on the street necessarily, but you get a little two-bedroom house in a working class neighborhood on Long Island and you have to sell your million dollar mansion. Or they move in. Yeah, like you need you need to have some financial uh, punishment. Like why isn't that, why? Why does he, why is he able to get away with that? Well, and it renders the whole system stupid. Like It's so pointless. It's why, pointless. Why do we have civil trials and why do we have these judgments if he never has to fucking pay anything. Right. It seems like it only truly pays off if there's a large corporation attached. And I think that is why sometimes people will attach a large corporation to a single person when they sue, because that's the only chance they have of getting money. Like if there's like a person who did something at a workplace, they'll sue the company too. Like Rudy Giuliani may not have $148 million, but he certainly has money that he could be giving to pay restitution to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Well, it's also kind of like, what's the point of creating these outrageous settlements? Like, why don't you just say, okay, here's what he has. You get, he has $300,000 in the bank. You get it all. 
And they, like, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like maybe anything. making these outrageous settlements, it's just like makes it look even stupider unless you're trying to make a point. But like, if he doesn't have $148 million, what's the point of making that settlement? Right? Like, <laughs> just make it something he's going to give you. I think, I mean, yeah. And they, they should get that money and more. And it's like, at the very least, give these women your fucking townhouse. Yeah. Why isn't the state enforcing this? It just seems like, why are we wasting money on this civil system if it ends up not doing anything? Like, I don't want a moral victory. No, I I want the money. (laughs) I've like, ever since this, ever since the news that like, well, he might be able to, you know, it's going to be in appeals or whatever for the, it's like, I like seriously like have been up at night thinking about this. Really? Since, yes. It's infuriating. It's just so infuriating to me. Right. It's infuriating that nothing can be done. And like this guy just said, no, no thanks. I mean, yeah, it just goes to show at like every level and for many, many years, you know, almost a hundred years now, this kind of stuff has been happening. Well, and another infuriating detail, um, Jones and Davis eventually get reinstated at the LAPD. No, they do not. And Davis becomes chief again. In 1933. I mean, why, it's just should, like, why am I surprised? Why am I surprised? Completely not surprising at all. Okay. So that didn't work out. But maybe more importantly, Christine did lead to this change in the, in, in the law. Uh, the California, California legislature passed a bill that prohibited the police from throwing a person into a psychiatric facility without a warrant. That is which the is least they can do. I it's mean, crazy that that wasn't, that wasn't the law that already. That should have been the baseline. <clears throat> so a former journalist and screener, the screenwriter of Changeling, J. Michael Strazinski, he emphasized the importance of this victory for women in particular in an interview with the LA Times. He said... At the time, it was very easy for police to throw anyone they didn't like into the asylum for causing problems. They did it more to women than men. The reality is if Christine had been a single dad, this would have never happened. Many of her travails, he said, stem from the fact that she was a woman who didn't conform to what men, in this case the LAPD, expected her to be like. And she was, she's pushy, but right. I mean, who cares? That's her son's missing and she's sick of their bullshit. Right. Um, and I think this is portrayed in the movie that, you know, you know, Angelina Jolie obviously can nail a role like this. Um, but yeah, it was basically a hysterical woman. You need to calm down. I'm going to put you in the sanitarium until mm. you do. But it's, it's literally because this guy's annoyed and he doesn't want her ruining things. Because like I said, they needed to solve this case. They wanted it over with. They had already been dealing with their fuck up in Marion Parker's case, right. which we go into in that episode. I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I do remember it was yes. like one fuck up after another. The police because it was a kidnapping it. that got botched. They basically. botched it so bad. This that investigation. Um, so that's what they're dealing with. But it's like, hey, that's not our fucking problem. Why don't you stop being incompetent? That's what you're hired for. <laughs> you're hired to be the authority and the expert, and you can't even do that. Most people in those situations, like, maybe this isn't the job for me. I'm, I'm bad at it. No, you have to have, like, a certain level of ego and um, sociopathy. Right, because it's like, you're literally ruining people's lives, sir. You're not protecting. <laughs> you're not protecting, and you're certainly not serving. No, you're serving loser. Yeah. Um, so this crime was so infamous that Wineville actually changed its name to Miraloma. 
Oh, um, wow. In 1930. I was going to ask. I was like, where is Wineville? It's like on the way to Riverside. But, so if you're on the 10, yeah, Wineville doesn't exist anymore. They changed their name. And that it was purely because of the negative publicity about the murders. That's why they did it. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> like you're like, we're, we don't want to be Wineville anymore. <laughs> we're sick of that. So throughout her life, Christine Collins maintained hope that her son was still alive. Uh, she continued to search for him the rest of her life. And largely this is in part to the lies of Gordon Northcott. So many people consider this sort of his last sadistic act. It was. Um, and, and she also wanted that money to help her search. Like that money oh. settlement was for her search. And it's really sad. So she never got any money. She never got money. She never found out any real truth. Right. And that's just kind of how she spent the rest of her life. And that's so sad. It's so tragic. And she was failed. She was failed by the people who were supposed to help her. I can't believe he had the nerve to put her in in the sanitary. (laughs) Like that is like (laughs) insane to me. It is so crazy. Also like why she wasn't believed when she's like, that's not my son. It wasn't like she was unsure. She was literally telling them that's not him. No, they're so desperate to wrap up the case. I mean, case. this is gaslighting. Gaslighting <laughs> gets thrown around a lot, but, but this is but literally this is actually it. it. Yeah, this, this is, is actually like it. a primo example of a woman being gaslit Yeah, um, in a really weird way because it's like, why would you even do this? <laughs> You're not, you know, it's like... It's psychotic. It's crazy. Anyway, that's the story of Christine Collins and the Wineville chicken coop murders. Thank you, Desi, for finally getting us to this story. I think it was probably one of the first 10 things we discussed doing when we started this podcast. Really? I'm sure. It's I mean, I feel a- like it's always been on our mind to do. Yeah. Um, And I was kind of like, oh, it's a perfect time because we've done a bunch of easy episodes yeah. where it was sort of fun, more fun things. And I was yeah. like, okay, we ruin the party. Kick everyone when they're down. <laughs> Jesus, Desi. <laughs> well, if you do want some laughs, head over to our Patreon. That's pretty much all laughs, except for some mysteries and macabres. We are have, very unlaughable. At the, ten, <laughs> at the $10 level, we do have a few... Um, we have a handful of like very intense, longer, long-form podcast episodes about mysterious cases. But I would say a majority of the episodes are informative, but light. Yeah. There's paranormal stuff. There's, um, there's also movie reviews at that level. Long, a lot of, long we, do movie a lo- we do a lot of movie recaps. Um, so yeah. And then at the $5 level, it's, it's all laughs all the time. Mm. Pretty much. Pretty much. We're not right? going to bring you down for $5. No, we only bring you down for $10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. And Desi, thank you very much. We will have pictures on our Instagram, which I will upload soon. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram because we post pictures most for most episodes and in for and we post updates in our stories yeah like so. if, if you need like information about something if you're like what's going on yeah we'll, we'll post some tea that's where we usually post things so yeah follow us there too bye bye why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.